Well, Christmas time is upon us, and I'm sure all of you guys like me remember Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen, but do you guys recall Edward Johnson? Anybody? Edward Johnson? You know, the bright red light, you know, not, not Rudolph, but Edward Johnson. Well, if you don't know his name, Edward Johnson was actually an apprentice to Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison that uh, put in the patent for the light bulb and invented that way back uh, in the 1800s. And then just two years later, Edward Johnson has a great idea. He thinks, what if we make a string of these and we wrap them around a Christmas tree? And this was a great idea because before this, people were still festive and decorating their Christmas trees, even back in the 1800s. But in that time, they used candles before Edward Johnson came up with this great idea. I think we have a picture of some candles on a tree after the uh, patent here. There it is. Uh, and as you can imagine, this had its own set of inherent risks, right? I mean, this was... This was a real tree. This wasn't artificial. And, um, you know, if you light a bunch of candles on a tree, you might have uh, a little bit of a situation uh, that, that happens, you know, when it, you know, naturally takes its course. But Edward Johnson had decided to string together 80 bulbs and he wrapped them around a tree and connected it to electricity and history was made. By 1890, Christmas tree lights were produced for average people like you and me. Consumers to be purchased for your home and put on your very own Christmas tree. Fast forward to 2019, there are approximately 150 million Christmas lights sold every single year. Not bulbs, but strands. 150 million just here in the United States. There's one house I read about in Montana that uh, decorates their house each year with over a million lights. I think we have a, a little picture of their decorations right there. And can you just imagine their electric bill? They do this for the entire month of December. Well, let me let you guess. Before we put the number up on the screen, Tim, I want you all to go ahead and get a guess in your head. What do you think their electric bill is just for the month of December? You got a number? All right. The big reveal. Here we go. Just for December, $82,320. All for a bunch of Christmas lights. Now, I don't know how we ended up here all the way from Edward Johnson and his great idea of bulbs to this. And I don't blame Edward Johnson. If I blame anybody, I blame this next guy right here, Clark. It's Clark's fault. Clark Griswold is the one who brought us to this place. Well, I don't know uh, what your relationship with Christmas lights is like. Uh, I like having them on my house, but I hate having to unravel them and put them up. And the problem with Christmas lights is they are fragile. I mean, they're just little light bulbs, right? And so they break, they short out. The strands get tangled, right? No matter how carefully you wrap them when you take them down, it seems like the next year when you get them out of the box, some gremlin has gone in there and tied them into knots, right? And so the problem with Christmas lights is they tangle, they break, they short out, they don't seem to last. They're fragile. 
They get dim. They break. It's like the world that we live in. Because the light has come. We've been talking about Advent. The light has come, but yet we live in a world that's full of brokenness, that's full of dim areas in our lives, full of parts of our lives that are fragile. Christmas, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And sometimes we feel that way, but for many of us, I think we can look at our lives and go, eh, not so much. Maybe when I was a kid, but maybe you've lived enough life now to realize life hasn't gone exactly how I'd hoped it would. And sometimes this time of year, more than any other time of year, can be painful for some of us. And there's some of you in the room here today that can identify with that because although it's supposed to be wonderful, this time of year is hard. We're talking about broken dreams, broken relationships, all the things that we face in this world because life is fragile. It's interesting to me as we look at the book of John today that God uses this amazing metaphor talking about Advent and he describes the Advent of Christ with light. The coming of Christ is light coming to the world. The light that is bright and true and illuminating and right and brings hope but yet that also means that it's surrounded by darkness. It's surrounded by brokenness, dimness, shadows, and pain. And you and I, we've been talking about living in the middle. We live between the light that has come and the darkness of this broken world. And that's the reality that we live in. I don't know if you ever feel like you're living in the dark sometimes. You feel separated from God sometimes. You feel separated from your loved ones. Maybe you feel a lack of direction. Maybe you just feel like there's a lack of hope. How do I even go on to the next place in life? And it just feels dark sometimes. That's uh, one theme that stuck out when we had our testimonies at Thanksgiving was, was everybody who shared, shared this, you know, this story in their life where they went through some dark times. And we live in a dark world, but yet there is light that has come and is coming to us. It's similar to the very beginning of the entire word of God. We can go back to the very beginning in Genesis, and we see that it was dark and formless. That was the world. And God spoke, and there was light, right? Light entered the world. But then... As Adam and Eve choose to sin, sin enters the world and darkness comes into that light. It brings a whole new form of darkness that has plagued you and I and all of humanity ever since. One of the most profound biblical images of God that I love is that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of this dark world, there is a light that breaks through. Christ is the light that shines in the darkness and that he calls us to. The Bible uses additional imagery like sin being deeds of darkness, right? So the, the places in our lives where we fall short, where we miss the mark, it's deeds of darkness. It's the darkness that is around us and within us. Satan, it refers to as when they will be thrown into outer 
darkness, which is a darkness beyond what we can even comprehend. On the other hand, it talks about God sitting on a throne of light. And as we'll look at John today, we'll see that light has entered the world. One of my favorite things about Christmas is Christmas is full of light, right? On our houses, on our trees, in our fireplace when it's not 85 degrees outside, you know. It's all around us. There is this light. And John reminds us that the advent of Christ is the light shining into the darkness and that the darkness will never be able to overcome the light. The series we've been talking about, living in between. Living between today and eternity. Living between the now but not yet. Christ has come and he's going to come again. And we're living between that hope of Christ and the fulfillment of Christ. And yet here we are again. We see in the book of John, we're living between the light that has come and the darkness that surrounds us. Because there's still plenty of brokenness and darkness all around us. It's not hard to find. But if we look in John chapter 1, I think we're going to find some truths about God and the light that has come. The first truth that we're going to find takes us back to Genesis again. That God created the world. It's the basic foundation, the starting point for us. It says in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing that nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. Darkness has never been a match for the light. This has always been something that personally has just been a hope to me over the years. As I've faced times in my life where I feel like this is just too much for me to bear, I have to remind myself that no matter how dark the time is, no matter how dark the culture may be around us, the tiniest of lights will shine bright. As a matter of fact, the more darkness that there is, the brighter that light shines, right? I mean, in your bedroom at night, you turn off all the lights. It's a really dark night. You can see that one little charging light from across the room, right? That you would never see any other time of day, but it might drive you crazy at night. Thinking, well, somebody just go and plug that. I can't sleep with that green light in the corner because the more darkness there is, the brighter those lights shine. So no matter what we're facing, it causes Jesus to shine even brighter. We see here in John chapter 1 that God created the world and that Jesus is with God the Father. They are together as one and created the world together. He's a creator, the sustainer. But because of sin, the world that we live in is not as God originally intended it for it to be. But yet Jesus is no less powerful to overcome the darkness that we face. Now, that's one thing that's easy for me to say standing up here on the stage. But I understand 
Some of you are facing real disappointments, real stress, real pain, real darkness in your life. And it may just be this particular season. It may be this time every year that you are reminded. My father passed away December 2nd, 10 years ago. But every Christmas time it comes around, I'm always aware of that emptiness that used to be there, but it's not there anymore. And many of you have those voids in your life as well. And I just want to say, if you're hurting here today, that the light of Christ is the hope that we can hang on to. You see, the darkness that we face is not in caves and dark rooms. The darkness that we face is in the brokenness and disappointments that we face in life. But the good news is God created the world and he sustains the world. He is the light that enters the world. Not only did he create the world, but the second thing we see here in John is that God loves the world. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The struggles that you and I face, Jesus sees those. God is aware of those. In John chapter 1, skipping down to verse 9, it says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Advent. He was in the world, and through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Because of God's love for us, the light has come into the world. And then God says he gives us the opportunity to embrace that gift, to receive the light that he has offered just imagine if after service today, you're heading out to your car and for whatever reason, I just happen to be standing by your car with a big grin on my face today. And as you cautiously walk up to your car wondering what's going on, I pull a gift out from behind my back and I say, I picked this out especially for you. I saw this and I just knew I had to get it for you. And I wanted to give it to you. And it's a little awkward. So you say, well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Put it in your car. And, you know, you're wondering, do I open it now? Do I open it later? But you just get in your car and you go on. And I see you the next Sunday when you come to church. And I'm anxiously waiting as you walk in. I say, hey, good to see you again. And you say, hi. I say, did you open the present? And you say, no, not yet. But I'm going to. I'm going to do that real soon. I see you in a couple of weeks at a restaurant. I say, hey, good to see you. You say, oh, that's funny. I was just thinking about you today. And I say, did you open that present yet? No, not yet, but I'm going to really soon. And I see you a few months later and I say, hey, did you ever, you know, open that thing up? No, but someday, someday, Pastor Adam, I'm going to open that up. At some point... A gift isn't a gift 
unless you actually receive it. Unless you actually open it up and take what has been given to you as yours. And it reminds us here in John chapter 1 that a great gift has been given to each one of us, the light of Christ. And though we're surrounded by people in our lives, and maybe even you, that know the story of Christmas, we have yet to do sometimes what the wise men have done, finding Jesus and falling down on our knees and surrendering and worshiping him. And at some point, if we just think, well, someday, you know, I'll go to church and and someday I'll receive what he has given me and I'll truly surrender my life. At some point, the gift's not a gift unless we're willing to receive it. Advent is the coming of Christ, the light that has come to you no matter what darkness you face. The light is for you, but you've got to make the choice whether you open that gift or not. The third truth that we see in John is that God has also entered the world. He made the world, he loves the world, and he entered the world. John 1, 14, I love this verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I love the message translation as well. It says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Can you imagine leaving paradise, having your your dream home, right, in the most perfect place you could ever imagine, most perfect home, and it's yours, it's fully paid for, it's all yours, only to one day say, I'm going to walk away from that, and I'm going to go live underneath an underpass somewhere. Jesus left the perfect to come and put himself in the dirtiest of places. And that, that doesn't even compare. Hebrews 4.15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. This is the biblical picture of Jesus. Sometimes we picture Jesus, you know, like these pictures that we've seen, a sanitized Jesus in the white robe where everything is pristine and perfect and and he's associating with all of these really great people. But the true picture of Jesus is that he has come and he rubs elbows with sinners. He eats with prostitutes and thieves. He's a friend of sinners. Though he did not sin, He has made his dwelling among us. Because if we're honest, we're those prostitutes and thieves. And Jesus, his coming, his leaving glory for humanity has been that we might know him. He did this to prove his love for us. I heard a story. It's a preacher story, so it's probably not true, but it was a good story either way about a family in California that was facing some of the tough things we face, just stress with the holidays, stress in the marriage, family that had two young children. And at some point in December, the wife just said, I can't take it anymore. 
and she threw some things in a bag. She left a note, and she left. And she said, I'm gone. And the husband called family. He called friends. He was trying every way that he could to get a hold of his wife. He left message after message after message after text after text after text to his wife saying, please come home. We're going to get through this. We can work this out. I'm sorry, everything that he could think of to reach his wife. He didn't know what to do. He actually hired somebody in this story to track her down and found her living out of a hotel room in Las Vegas. Did the only thing that he knew to do. He got in his car and he drove to Las Vegas and knocked on the door of the room that she was staying in. She cautiously went to the door, opened it up, and he embraced her and said, please come home. She grabbed everything that she had. She got back into that car and came home. A few days later, the husband said to the wife, why did it take you so long? You were miserable in the situation that you were in. And she said, I heard you say that you love me in the messages. And I read the text that you love me. But I needed you to come show me that you loved me. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. In the midst of our brokenness, in the darkness that is in our world, a light comes and shines and illuminates that darkness, saying, here is the hope. God made the world. God entered into the world. God loves the world. He came to find us, to be that light in the darkness. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your light that shines into our lives. Lord, it's only a gift if we receive it. And so, Father, this morning we want to take a moment to receive the light, the advent of Christ that has come to shine into our lives. Father, I pray for the people who are in darkness today, who feel like they're in deep darkness. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage them that the light shines even brighter in the deepest of darkness. Would you take just a moment and let the Holy Spirit shine the light of Christ into your hearts, to your minds, and would you receive the gift that has been offered just in your own words? Would you allow Christ to come into your life? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to be the light that we might become children of God. Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. Lord, may we live as children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.